0: Well, it is great to be with you this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Dean, one of the pastors here. If you're new here, welcome. So good to have you with us. We are, uh, we've been in a, a series uh, on Sunday mornings talking about this idea, uh, the pursuit of God, and what it looks like to be people who pursue God, who chase after God, who, uh, who are, are seeking Him in our lives. We've been looking at the story of a guy named Abraham. He started off as Abram. We're looking at this moment in his life when God called him to kind of leave everything that he knew. And he says, I want you to come and follow me. And I've got a whole new vision for your life. I've got a new plan for your life. And he invites Abram into this. Last week we talked about this reality that God kind of invites him to no longer seek to kind of make a name for himself, but instead to seek after God, to no longer seek blessing for himself, but to seek God and bring blessing to others. And so as we've looked at at this kind of invitation that's given to Abram, and it's given, you know, we believe to every one of us as well to pursue after God. Today we're going to look at how Abram responded. This is our last week in the series. We're going to look at Abram's response, what he does with what he's been invited into. And so we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 12. I think we're in verse 4 today. Let's have a look. It says, so Abram went. God's inviting him. So leave everything you know. Leave your country, your people, you know, your, your father's house. So you can leave all this. And I want you to come and go to this place I'm going to show you. So Abram went. Let me hear you say went. Watch how many times talks about him going and, and things like this. As the Lord had told him, as the Lord had told him, he went. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years young when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot. I always imagine if this was being read and Sarai was there and and it's just being read and it's like, he took his wife Sarai and Abram's like, yeah, and Sarai would be like, what? I'm sorry, you what? You took me, did you? (laughs) No, no, listen, I I didn't want to go. I was not going. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't happen. I'm not sure. I'm probably completely wrong on that. But uh, he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people, they were not minimalists, apparently. They'd accumulated a lot of, do we have any minimalists in the house? People really big on, nope, nobody. Uh, Netflix documentary, minimalism. Seriously, if you just watch one, uh, one documentary, try minimalism. It'll make you go, why do I have Netflix? Anyway, so. <laughs> and they took all the people they'd acquired in Haran and they set out. They set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So this is the land God told me he's going to give them. They arrived there. And then Abram traveled. Let me hear you say traveled. Traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So somebody else is already in the land that God's promised him. But the Lord appeared to Abram and said, listen, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went, let me hear you say went, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued, let me hear you say continued, toward the Negev. We're seeing Abram respond, and this will be sort of our big picture theme for today, that the pursuit of God always requires a response of action. There is always an action that is involved in pursuing God. God invites Abram. He, he says, I want you to come. I want you to go to this land. I'm going to show you. I'm gonna, this is what my vision and dream is for your life, and, and here's, what, uh, here's how it's going to work. But everyone who gets an invitation from God has a a choice on how they'll respond. And Abram, and we get told this all throughout the Bible, what made him kind of amazing was he obeyed God. He acted on what he was invited to. The invitation goes to everyone, but Abram was, he was a man of action. He was a man who when God said, go, he went. And he goes to this land. What I want you to just wrap your minds around today as we look at Abram is it, if we are to pursue God, there will always be action that is involved. There will always be a way that this plays out in how we're actually living in the things we're doing. Here's a little bit of what this action looks like. At its core, what we see, and this is the other thing Abraham is always noted for throughout the scriptures. At its core, this action is all about Obedience. Obedience. Abraham, it says he heard the word of the Lord, and then he went. Obedience always carries within it these two things. One, an, a hearing, a listening, an understanding of what God desires. And then in an acting based on what God has said, on what God has shown me. That I'm actually in acting, I'm, I'm moving on what God has taught me. Abram, what did Abram do? He went. God said, Go. Sometimes I wonder, and this is totally just made up Sometimes Did God give this invitation to anyone else? Now that can mess with your theology, if you, you know, sort of, I don't know. The point isn't, did he? But how many people does God invite to do things and be part of what he is doing in this world? The, the, the challenge, I think, for God is not that he's not sending out invitations, it's how many people respond in obedience. And go when they are called. Abraham was a man of action. Can I, can I tell you something? What the pursuit of God must always have for us at its core obedience to God. And that requires, once again, these two things. Hearing from God and then acting on what I have heard. And beginning to live into what God has shown me. For Abram, he was, the word he heard from the Lord, you know, God was given very distinct He's giving him a picture. You're going to go here. I'm going to give you land. Here's your part of my plan. But can I tell you something? One of the invitations that is common to all of us is when God calls us, he, he calls us to an entirely new vision for life. We see this for Abram. God flips the normal vision for life. Normal vision for life is me make my name great, me seek blessing for myself. We saw last week, God says, no, I've got a new vision for your life. You are going to be a blessing to others. It's a new vision for our life. We, if we are to follow God, we have to be able to hear his word, to know him close enough to realize that that we are invited into a whole different kind of life than the vision that is all around us. Invited to go a new direction. And we have to actually take active steps to start saying, how am I walking into that kind of life? I was reading a a, a book for my course last week or two, and there's a story in there about a young Albert Einstein. When Einstein was still young and just beginning to kind of make his way, doing lectures around the university circuit in Europe, he was uh, going on a particular tour. So he's speaking to all these universities, and he takes with him uh, one of his kind of young protégés, one of his students, and he says, you'll be my chauffeur, you'll be my driver, just come with me everywhere I go. So he starts going to all these universities, and he gives the same lecture every time. He gives this lecture on kind of the theory of relativity and how it relates to the structure of the universe. I know a lot more detail than that, but I won't bore you with, uh, you know, kind of unpacking all of it, and it might be a little complex anyway, but so he's going around. He's giving this lecture, and everywhere he goes, the chauffeur goes. So he just goes every, every you know, university after university. He goes in, the chauffeur sits there, listens to all these things. Everywhere he goes, he's giving the same one. Now, Again, Einstein's not really famous, so people don't actually all know exactly who he is. And it's not the Internet age. No one even knows what he looks like. So both he and his chauffeur are getting kind of tired of the same thing time after time. And so Einstein says, hey, I got an idea. How about the next place? You pretend to be me and I'll pretend to be the chauffeur and you give the lecture. And so they go to this university and they go through it. So the chauffeur, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, Albert Einstein. This is my chauffeur. And, and they, they switch places and the, the chauffeur gets up. And he delivers the whole lecture, you know, word for word, concept for concept, delivers the whole thing. Nobody's the wiser. You know, these two guys sitting there just like, ah, this is so funny, all these things. But then something happens at the end that didn't happen at any of the other universities. The person hosting it says, would we like to have any questions from the floor? (laughs) And so now a, a physics professor from somewhere stands up and is like, uh, yeah, you know, I just saw, you know had a question, and, and he unpacks this you know incredibly complex question involving like quantum physics and the molecular structures, and this again I know all these things, but I just don't want to go into them. And um, <laughs> he unpacks this whole question, and now here's the chauffeur sitting up there like, ah, oh, you know, and Einstein's like, ah, oh, and they're like, oh man, we're we're kind of in for it. And then the the chauffeur actually kind of. Compose himself for a moment. And says, you know what? That question is so insulting, I won't even answer it. I'll let my chauffeur answer that question. <laughs> so Einstein gets to answer it. And I'm sure about, well, we don't embarrass him any further. No more questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic story. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. The You see, in that moment, what got revealed? What got revealed once somebody asked a question? Was it? You've heard all this stuff, but you don't really know it yet. Like, you've heard it, and you can say it, and you can articulate it, and you can just parrot it, but there's a big difference between you and Einstein. Einstein knows this stuff. Einstein's actually lived into this stuff. He's sat with it. He's worked his way through it. It's not just, you know, out there. It's something that's a part of who he is. Now, here's the thing about obedience. This is that part with, you know, the line between really pursuing God and being transformed by God. The line that kind of separates, you know, what's, what is real and, and what is kind of just I know about it is are we actually living into it? Because it's easy to get all the right answers. It's easy to start to feel like, yeah, this is who God is, and I know all these things about him. But if that is not matched with, and I live into that direction daily, I walk into that direction, then it very easily just becomes something we're paying lip service to. When the pursuit of God is about saying, I'm living into these things. I'm walking. I'm taking action. I'm hearing, and I'm adjusting my actions based on what I hear from God. I'm in his word. I'm learning to listen to his leading. And then I'm acting on what he tells me. It's becoming part of who I am. It's changing me from the inside out. You know, the, the, this is kind of at the core of what it looks like God. We actually have to obey what he calls us to. And, and the other thing you see in this little snapshot of Abraham is that pursuing God requires constant movement. Constant Movement. How many times do we see Abraham? He went. He goes. He went onward from there. Abraham, we're not called to mirror his life as like sort of living a a nomadic kind of agrarian lifestyle and wandering through the, the wilderness that he did. But I can tell you one thing. We are very much called to say, as we look at this prophetic picture of what the journey of faith looks like, We have to be people, if we are going to pursue God, who are constantly moving, that we never stop and sort of get comfortable in one place. Like, yeah, I pursued God. I obeyed God. I made it this far. And this is pretty good. And then we kind of lose that space where we're actually continuing to move forward. You know, we often, if you read in the Bible, it, it, Abraham's story is most famously kind of picked up from Genesis chapter 12. That's where these verses we just started are, God's kind of call into his life. And, but one of the interesting things is he actually appears just at the very end of the previous chapter, Genesis chapter 11. And what you see, we talked about how, you know, Abraham, he grew up, he started in this big city, Ur, and, uh, and that's where he began... And that was like the big city. And it had all the, you know, hey, this is what life's about. And this is where security's found. All those things. And we often think of Abraham as leaving Ur. But what you find at the end of Genesis 11 was actually Abram's dad, Terah, and Abram, and and his brother and Lot. Actually, the family had left Ur and then stopped in Haran, which is where we see Abraham in Genesis 12. Now, The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about what initially started the journey for this particular family to leave, you know, to leave everything they'd known, to leave Ur and start to move out. It doesn't tell us. So this, I have no idea why they did. But I sometimes just wonder, you know, what what was, what was God trying to do with this family? And how was it that they all left Ur But some of them stayed in Haran. Abram, the thing that was really unique about him out of that family was he was the only one who kept on going. Who kept on moving as he responded to what God had for his life. Can I tell you something? It is so easy to set out to pursue God and then to find somewhere along the way we start to settle down and get comfortable. And what happens then, is like the pursuit has ended and we've just settled somewhere new. We're not where we used to be, but we've somehow lost our movement. In this whole series, the pursuit of God is about saying every one of us, there is never a point where we are called to kind of settle down in terms of what it looks like for us to know God, to pursue God and say, yep, I made it this far. It is a lifelong journey forever knowing there is more of God to know. And we are called to be people who are constantly moving. Do you know, as we see Abram moving, uh, there's, there's one more piece of this whole idea uh, of what action looked like in his life that we're going to highlight today, and that's this whole idea of worship. So Abram, he is moving. He is going. He is walking out the land. Do you know, in his day... To, to walk on the land was to sort of symbolically claim it as your own. God had promised him this land. He just keeps moving. He's going east and north and he's walking all around it. He's going to go all through that land saying, I'm pursuing what God has called me to and what he has for my life. Even though it, it looks like, how is this even going to happen? There's other people. He'd be his, he's pursuing it. He's moving. And you see him stop on a couple of occasions, hear from God again. And you see two occasions even just in these short verses where he builds an altar. And when he stops and builds an altar, what we're seeing is this regular rhythm of worship in his life. This was a very physical, concrete way of him stopping and worshiping God. Acknowledging who God is, how great he is, and and, and taking it. And the altar symbolized his worship of who God is. Can I tell you something? Sometimes we think about, if we're going to, you know, be people who are pursuing God... At the very core of this, and at the core of the action God wants for us, is he wants us to worship him. Now one of the great challenges, uh, I think in our day and era of living, for Abram, if it was like, like worship God, it was a really concrete thing. Like I will build an altar. I will bring a sacrifice. I will do something incredibly, you know, physically. My body, my whole self will be engaged. What I have will be engaged. All these things. One of the challenges for us is to actually say, you know, we can sometimes almost create this dichotomy where we think worship is something we do on Sundays. We think this is the space we come to worship. And even within that, we sometimes then go, oh, and certain kinds of songs are worship. If it's a slow song, that's worship. (laughs) That's worship, because it's slow. And God measures worship in beats per minute. (laughs) That is not true, so you know, but... um but we do that. Can I tell you something? Understand this first of all. When we gather as people who have given our lives to God, this whole time we gather is a unique experience of worship. Because what all of us have done is said, you know what, I'm, we are all stepping out of our normal rhythm of life and saying, I'm coming to a place where it's not about me, it's about all of us as people coming together to lift up one name, the name of Jesus. And it's worship when we sing the fast songs. <laughs> And it's worship when we come to the Word of God because we all, myself included, sit under the Word of God and say, that which it says is what will organize my life. That's worship because this is what takes priority, precedence. This is a unique experience of worship because we gather together. The Bible tells us God inhabits the praises of his people and there's this sense that when we gather, there's just a unique way God is present. But can I tell you something? If we think this is the only expression of worship, then we've missed what the rhythm of life is meant to look like. Because worship isn't about a certain kind of song. Worship is about what takes primary importance in your life. That's worship. That which becomes the one organizing principle in your life is what you worship. If you uh, say, yep, I come together on Sundays and I do this and I sing the slow songs, that's my worship. And then I organize my life around something else, you just, that's not worship. Worship is what is most important to me. Friday night we had a, a fun night at, at 115 Collective. The cafe had this night called an R&B night and put on a special menu and people come book from the community and, or whoever wanted to and come have dinner. And it, it was R&B, ribs and burgers, ribs and burgers. It was a great night. Now, towards the end of the night, I got to have a meal myself, I'm just like, I always go, everyone else eat first, and I want to be last so I can be, just, you know, so humble, and then I talk about it on I'm just kidding, joking. Anyway, towards the end of the night, I'll repent later, don't worry, don't worry. Um, now, towards the end of the night, and a bunch of us were eating, and, and the chef, you know, brought me and gave me this, you know, board with my meal on it, and he had put on it uh, a combination. It wasn't ribs or burgers. It was ribs and burger. So I had this, you know, kind of rack of ribs. Here's, here's what I, I look down and see a rack of ribs, a burger, some coleslaw, and some chips. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I know, I know. You know me, right? I know. I'm sorry. Don't worry. We'll be out of here soon. Lunchtime's coming. But I look down. Now, I don't know what you're like in these situations, but I always like to approach them pretty strategically, to be fair. <laughs> and so, I look down, because you really, you've only got a couple choices. I mean, I'm looking at all this, and I'm like, something here will become the organizing principle of what I'm about to do. I got so much space here. I got so much stuff here. I'm going to have to prioritize what is going in. Now, when you look at that, I don't know what you're like, but I'm looking down, I'm not like, where, where do I start here? I'm going to tell you one thing, it wasn't the coleslaw. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, it looked like homemade sauce. It was beautiful, but that was not going first. I see the chips. You know what I know about those chips? Temptation. Chips are delicious. We all love chips. There's a reason for it. But they were a temptation sitting there threatening to take me from that which was most important, which you and I both know was clearly the ribs. (laughs) So you gotta make decisions. And I'm like, I'm eating these ribs. I'm just going through the ribs. A Couple people said to me, what, you still got that burger? I'm like, I am not getting sidetracked by anything else until these ribs are gone. If there's time, if there's space, sure, I'll eat that later, but it's not going in first. That which becomes most important to us. This is, this, you know, this is life, people. This is how life works. There is, there is an array of things which vie for our attention, our competition, that, that suggests to us this is direction, this is a vision for your life, this is what you should spend your time on, your energy on, your focus on, this is where happiness comes, all these things. And every one of us has a finite amount of us. And we must choose what will take priority. And I tell you what, what you do on Sunday is not what you worship, that which becomes the one organizing principle of your life. That's what you worship. And we get to come together and we celebrate God, but that which becomes the one organizing principle for our lives, that is worship. And the pursuit of God, what we see in Abram, what made him so unique. Why does the Bible, it always says he was Righteous because he obeyed God. He heard from God. He responded in obedience to what God said. He kept moving. He went wherever God would lead him his whole life, right till the very end. He never stopped and stayed still. He was always pursuing God. In fact, Hebrews tells us that one of the things about him is, and people like him, it's like they knew that this world was not their home, and so they were still looking forward even when they died. They were looking for the heavenly city with God as its architect. That's what it's like to pursue God. Now here's, here's what I, I, I just want to, you know, suggest to you and encourage us in as a people. And if you do you think, you know what, I want to pursue God. Well, this is how... One of the ways we do this. You know, you may be sitting there going, Dean, that's so easy. So what, is, what do you mean? How do I do this on a weekly basis? I have a job and work. So you're saying if I give time and energy to those things that now I'm not pursuing. No, absolutely not. That's where God's placed you. But within the spheres, within the realities that God has put us in, how do we pursue him? Constantly. Not I pursue one thing here, most of the rest of my vision for life, attention, energy, direction is directed here. No, no. how do we constantly, I'm pursuing it. You know, one of the reasons we've suggested every week of this series, a, a habit, something to try during the week, is to try and build a rhythm into our life where we actually have actions and habits in our lives every day that support our desire to pursue God. Whether it's fasting, we did one week. Whether it's saying, you know what, I'm going to create prayer times throughout my day. And this week we're going to look at one more practice, habit, action you could try that I think is one of the things that helps you actually take action and actively continue to move towards God. And I want to introduce you to a practice this week. Suggest you do it uh, on Wednesday. You may want to do this one every day this week. Is A, a practice is called the Daily Review or what's sometimes called the examine. This was created by a, a, a monastic guy named Ignatius of Loyola. And, uh, and he's known as a really practical kind of theologian and, and monastic guy from back in the day. And, um, and, and he came up with this idea of what it looks like to kind of walk with God on a daily basis and actually review your life, where you are right now, not every once in a while, but on a daily basis, and so the the uh, the examine uh, what he calls it, and it's been framed by lots of people different ways since then. Um, I thought about giving this to you in Latin, which is what I think he wrote it in, but you know again, I'd feel like I was showing off and um, but this is this is so we're, this is a, a, one of the formats I like of it that i've seen that I find helpful because it 's easier to remember It kind of looks at it through these Five R's. All it is, in its simplest form, what it is, is at the end of your day, stopping for, you know, call it 10, 15 minutes, to prayerfully review your day with God. You know, sometimes you unpack your day with another person, and you just like to kind of check, it's actually creating a space where you prayerfully review your day, you unpack what my day held, and say, God, let me see it through your perspective, and the reason I think this is so helpful is because it means on a daily basis you're beginning to allow God to speak into your life and the places and spaces you are. So here's what it, it kind of looks like in practice. So you would, and, and earlier this year I was sort of drawn back to this by a friend who was just uh, talking about how this practice on a daily basis had gotten him through a really, really kind of tough year in lots of ways. And what he did that what he just did constantly, but carried him through that, was he set an alarm for 10 p.m. every night. No matter what he was doing, alarm would go off at 10 p.m., and he'd go for a walk around his area and just go through this prayer time. And, and, and so here's what it kind of looks like when you do this. And I think it's a great one to do while you're walking. You know, if you, it, It's just literally we're trying to talk about the whole idea of walking with God. This is a great way to walk with God. And uh, so you, this is what you do. You just kind of start off by saying, God, you know, would you help me to kind of just go through my day and see it with your eyes? And, and so you don't, there's no kind of formality to it. You just sort of gently let your mind, let your, let your conscience kind of just drift back through your day and let the spirit start to just highlight different things. And the first thing you do is you relish. Uh, and, and relish, you know, just means enjoy, kind of soak up all the goodness that God placed in your day. How many people know life feels like it goes really fast sometimes? You can get through like a whole day and you're like, what just happened? You know? Yeah, somebody at the end of the week? I have people all the time say to me on a Sunday, because they see me once, like, oh, did you have a good week? Like, I can't remember, but I think it was good, you know? Like, everything's going so fast. But you know what's so great about this? Once a day you stop and you sort of slowly pause and just take in the goodness of what God gave you in that day. And sometimes you have a rough day, a tough day, a day that kind of went, you feel like just start to finish, oh man, where'd we go? I will tell you something, if you stop and prayerfully ask God to show you, you will see little drops of grace and goodness all throughout your day. You know, I've sometimes in those moments, you know, it could be like, wow, this was a crazy day and, and this or that. And then all of a sudden as I start to just, Lord, take me back through the day and, and just bring to mind in the morning, like literally just watching my seven-year-old brush his teeth. It's mundane. It's routine. It will never happen again that day to see the, that moment, the joy on his face. You know, anyone who's had a kid that's grown up probably knows Yet yeah, those were actually special moments, but sometimes you missed them. You missed the goodness God had placed right in your life because we're always going, going, going. This is a moment, and every day God fills just common grace, goodness. It's just the oh, to have actually seen a sunset, like Lord, I, I almost went past that. Thank you, how good that was. And so you start just letting God show you all these things. Uh, if you've never done that, it was one of the best things ever to let God show you His goodness manifest in your everyday life. The second thing you do is you request the Spirit to now show you as well. The places or spaces where you might have missed it during the day. Where you might have got it wrong. Might have, you know what, God, this is probably this is what you wanted. I I let you down. I made a mistake. I this is where I've sinned. This is where I've fallen short. This is you actually, but you don't just start going through your day and thinking, oh, here's everything I did wrong. You say, Spirit, would you show me from your perspective, where did I miss it today? And you let God show you through the day. Now, here's why it's so critical that you ask him to lead you through it. Many of us are given to one of two extremes when it comes to sort of this kind of experience. Some people are really, really hard on themselves. Do you know what you may find is sometimes God's not as hard on you as you are on yourself. And other people give themselves so much grace. And you may find God's like, uh, not so quick, <laughs> A lot of us fall on either side. The goal is not to either puff ourselves up or beat ourselves down. It's to begin to say, God, where in my day, what did you see from your perspective? Where was I actually, you know, we talk about God giving us a fresh vision for your life. Lord, where was I actually pursuing a, a, a rival vision to your vision for my life? You wanted me to bring a, be a bringer of blessing. And really, Lord, what I was looking for there was blessing for myself. You know, th- this is a space where we get to just say, Lord, would you just show me? You know, sometimes he'll bring to mind, I know he does for me, he'll bring to mind a conversation that I had. And I'll think, yeah, I think I handled that pretty well or, you know, negotiated or navigated that conflict no matter what it was. And, and he'll sort of say, you know what, you, you think you handled that well, but actually let's look a little deeper, Dean. And he'll reveal something to me about my heart and what was motivating my responses and actually where I was. And I can say, oh, you know what, I didn't even think about how that person might have just Felt on the other end of that, and it and it's not from a place of oh gee how bad it's oh Lord I'm sorry this is what repentance is it's then to say the next part as we review that day to repent and say Lord I'm sorry I ask you forgiveness I didn't I didn't live into I didn't know bad I didn't live into your vision for my life would you I'm sorry would you forgive me and cleanse me so I can just walk more closely with you tomorrow and then as well you go if if there's someone else involved who was hurt because of of my actions, then I make a plan to say, here's how I'm gonna make that right. Here's who I need to talk to. Here's what I gotta do to make sure I've, I've, I've followed what now God has prompted me to do. And, and I tell you, sometimes I think as, if, if, if you're a, a follower of Jesus here, sometimes I think this is one of the areas of our lives where we don't always have the actions in place and the habits and rhythms to regularly allow God to show us where he wants to make some adjustments. Where, where we're kind of missing the mark. And the more we do this, you know, maybe sometimes we think, oh, geez, I don't know if I could do that. Can I just tell you something? Or if you find yourself sort of feeling, oh, I don't want to, I already know it's so bad. I don't want to even go there. The great thing is when you do this with God and you're cultivating his voice in your life, he is so much more gentle than you could ever imagine. And we can sometimes not be gentle to ourselves. He is always gentle with us. The Bible tells us it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And as you place yourself in his hands, he'll he'll show you some stuff you may not have wanted to see. But he does it with such gentleness that it just leads you to repentance. desire to do that, and so then you repent, you ask forgiveness, you make it right, and then the last part of the day is you resolve to live better tomorrow, you actually say, Lord, tomorrow, would you help me, you know, today, I missed it, I was living out of this kind of position or place, or that's where I was, tomorrow, would you help me to walk in your ways, to keep on moving, to be obedient, You look forward sometimes to the next day and you think, you know what, I know this is what's going on tomorrow. I know this is what my day is going to look like. I know these could be some of the challenges I might experience. Lord, I want to pray right now that you would go ahead of me and before me and carry me through those and lead me. And it's such a great way to finish one day and look expectantly to the next by inviting God already into those spaces. Saying, I want to be able to walk with you. I love this practice because I think it can be so challenging sometimes to say, what does it really look like on a daily basis to pursue God? To actually say, no, Lord, your way is what's most important in the midst of all the different things we have going on. But to say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want to pursue you. I want you to speak into my life. I want you to lead me onward. I want you to show me the goodness. I don't want to miss your grace. And I don't want to let you show me where I need to make some changes to step more and more into the things you have for me. And Lord, I'm, I'm seeking you for tomorrow, and I want to walk with you tomorrow. I want to keep on moving. One of the hardest things is to keep on moving. Abram heard, he obeyed, he went, and he kept on moving. This is what it looks like to pursue God. We never, we never find him to the point like, yep, that's it. There's no one. No, we constantly continue to seek after him. I want to encourage you this week that there'll be a whole guide about that on the app. I want to encourage you maybe to go on there Wednesday. Sort of been our day for this. You do it Wednesday night. I encourage you maybe do it every night. What you'll find is you do it kind of Sort of by the, the formula a couple times, it starts to become part of you. And the great thing is it can begin to become a great way to pray. You know, sometimes you may just be on your way home from work and you just say, I'm just turn off the noise in the radio. And Lord, I just want to pray through the day. And maybe you go home and you go for a walk. But it starts to become a, a real simple, easy rhythm to invite God into every day to walk with him. You know, this, this week, the, the nature of this series in the pursuit of God, one of my hopes and, and dreams is that this will be uh, all about encouraging the hunger in us not to pursue God on Sundays, but to pursue God every day. And to come together as God pursuers who gather on Sundays because, man, we get to worship him together in song and word, come under it. It's just a unique way to worship him. It's a unique way to celebrate the God we've been worshiping all week as we pursue him. And I hope you'll maybe respond to that invitation just as Abram did. Say, Lord, I want to pursue you. Would you stand up where you are? I'm going to pray for us today. And as we bring this series to an end, I want to pray in particular Uh, Now, tonight we'll be actually wrapping the series up. We got a guest speaker tonight, Pete Roberts from Encounter Church. He's going to be preaching. It's our last Pursuit of God message. But today I want to pray for you that if you find yourself saying, you know, I want to go out of this. And maybe you're reading the book, Tozer's Pursuit of God. I know I want more. I'm hungry for more. I'm thirsty for more. I don't want just one compartment. I want to be moving all the time. I want to pray for you especially today. Would you bow your heads with me?